0: you're listening to the commercial appeal podcast an examination of the world's most interesting music Hey everybody! Welcome to Commercial Appeal, an examination of the world's most moving music. In today's episode, Chris, all things '80s. We finally got there. We're going back. <laughs> going Before, back. Yeah.
1: Going back. Back in time. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, love it. Um, Chris, now I, I've never seen anything like it. Okay, let me just let me just paint the picture for you. I don't think there's a more beloved decade of music than the eighties based on just like pure, like chatter online and how people just seem to like, ah, you know, like, they like eighties music is like the teddy bear of a decade. It's just, everyone just seems uh, at least, I, I don't know. Maybe, maybe I'm sure there's a, a large swath of, or a sizable swath of people that don't like eighties music, but can we agree that it, it might be the most beloved decade, at least of the last century? Yeah, I think it's one of the most. I think
1: it's right up. I think the 60s might top it, but because it's the 60s, I think 80s music is polarizing. So you do have probably a larger group of people who are just like, oh, I don't like 80s music because I, I know those people. But I think you're right. Like it, it's just, it has for some reason, it has that warm and cuddly feeling of, of oh, 80s. Like we look back on it like, dang, 80s music was, was retro. It was great. I don't know what it is.
0: Okay. Well,. So I did I did a little homework, Chris, for the show, and I kind of formulated, I, I was thinking about this question, um, you know, why, why, why might it be one of the most beloved? And I'm, and I'm with you on the 60s, and the 60s is certainly up there, but in terms of recent generations, I mean, you know, these millennials are going to pick 80s over 60s any day, and as influential as the 60s Was I mean, just an incredible decade. You got Beatlemania at the start of it, Beach Boys. Um, Stones. Stones, you got the introduction of, you know, hard rock or at least metal, as they called it, metal back then with Led Zeppelin in the late 60s. So an incredible decade of music. However, Chris, I would say... I'm probably with more than millennials in that I'm probably my back catalog. I'm playing more '80s music than I am '60s music. At least at this at, at this point of my life. What What about you? Are you reaching for a lot more '60s than '80s still currently?
1: Uh, I think from an artist perspective, I probably side with you. There's probably more '80s grounded music um, in my in my actual like catalog. I think. Playlist like when we turn on at home, we often if we have guests over, we'll put on Pandora. Usually, our go-to is like will be sixties music or Motown or something mm-hmm. like that, um, and, or just the Beatles or Paul McCartney station. But I think you're right. Like there's because it, it has a wide range of artists and the genres. Like just even you know from thinking like Queen and Michael Jackson and Prince and U two. Like there's four four bands or artists right there that are similar but very different
0: yeah I and I so I wonder then if maybe just you know there's that whole replayability factor and while again I can replay the heck just the other day I asked Alexa to play John Lennon totally forgot how good his solo catalog is like that's a really good catalog have you heard oh yeah we've played uh, we play some
1: John Lennon songs at our wedding
0: <laughs> I mean I guess I just thought that he just had you know imagine and I don't know, but he's got beautiful boy. I don't know, I can't even think of him off the top of my head. There's just Oh uh, Yoko.
1: We o Yoko was like our walking out music after we got <laughs> after our
0: ceremony. Oh <laughs> well, well good. Well so any I'm I'm veering off topic here, but I'm with you. Eighty it's probably eighties, sixties, the most beloved decades, but I think in recent memory, eighties would take the cake, certainly with younger generations. And I would argue in terms of replayability I'm probably going back to 80s music more often than I am 60s on a net basis, and I so I I I put down some thoughts about why I think that is. I researched this issue too about what what other some music music musician or music historians think why it is such a you're right polarizing but a very popular um, decade for music, and this is what I came up with. So you react, you you add to what you you know what you perceive maybe Uh you know tip the scales in 80s favor and we'll just kind of go down the line sound sound like a sound like a plan let's go okay the first and i think perhaps the most undeniable aspect of 80s music is it's more theatrical chris if not more dramatic like they they dressed up they played the part whether you're a one-hit wonder or flock of seagulls with hair it was about style it was about theater and it was so dramatic like like the love songs out of there that came out of the 80s or it just how i I don't know yeah that's just it just seemed like it was a it was a funner world to escape into kind of feeling like you're in this different world when you're listening to 80s music and i think that's still resonates today. It it not only will it take you to another world but it's a it's a world of the past. It's the 80s, you know, and it just takes you into this glitzy, glammy, overproduced world that's pretty fun to escape into.
1: Yeah, I absolutely agree with that. I think um I think there probably were a couple reasons for that, but I think primarily for me at least. And I think for a lot of people, the seventies was just such a downer of a music decade. I mean, there was a lot of good stuff that came out of the seventies on the classic rock side, but the seventies pop music and disco, I think eighties were ready to feel like it. It just reminds me of the movie, the wedding singer where that was actually the way that people dressed and the way that musicians dressed people emulated that. And it was a cultural thing. Right. Yeah. Um, And I think, you know, I, I, I don't know. I think you're right. I think, the the different type of artists from you mentioned flock of seagulls but it you know performing was a show um you know madonna is probably one of the most popular artists in the in the 80s i mean you can't separate madonna from sort of the theatrical act of it so i definitely agree
0: yeah so it's just it's theater. prince prince too
1: like prince Prince was so
0: total total theater so i think the vast majority i mean i mean well in a different way even youtube was very theatrical there's stages and still to this day it's just this giant musical performing performing art you know this it's theater it's just mass theater so i think it'd be hard pressed to find an 80s act that isn't theater and as much as you know Punk start, really came in to you know to the scene in the eighties, and they're going to try to say that's not theater they punk artists are more about style and their appearance than arguably anyone else, so that's what Maybe i'm saying yeah. everyone that and rappers that came out of the you know eighty all of this is about style and theater, if not bravado if not putting on this front. And it's just a lot of fun. So I think that still resonates today with with musical listeners.
1: punk side, like Joan Jett and The Clash. Like, that's, I mean, you can't separate them from the way they looked and how they kind of, whether they were thrashing the stage or, yeah, whatever it might be.
0: The Ramones, you can't, you wouldn't see them in the 80s without a white T-shirt and a black leather jacket. (laughs) Like, that's what they're going to be in that whole decade. They lived in it. Man, can you imagine what the pits of that leather jacket smelled like? Just horrible. No. (laughs)
1: We don't need to dive that into. Okay.
0: that <laughs> all right so theater I think that's the first one now this next one Chris I think is another kind of nod as you rightfully brought up to the 60s the the 80s just has I think tons of harmony big voices that's when they started doing double tracking of, or doubling up or tripling of voices it's just very big harmonious you know, sounds and hooks that are easy to sing along with. And I would argue the sixties were a lot like that. So maybe because humans like to sing, that's another reason in both the sixties and in this case, the eighties favor that it was just a, it was a great decade to sing along to stuff that we heard on the radio.
1: Yep, Steve Perry, Journey, like, how many times do you, if you ever go out to a bar or, you know, when you're young, man, it's always, You're. I think the, the uh, over-under on how many Journey songs you'll hear at, like, a night out at a bar is probably, like, you know, four. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, but, like, big voices, you know, lots of harmonies. Um, I don't know. Like that, it's sort of that the evolution of a lot of the classic rock turned into a lot of these rock bands in the '80s that kind of just did it bigger. And you mentioned U2, which is they're kind of like to me the original stadium rock band, yeah. and bands that like bands like Coldplay have emu- have emulated basically like the U2 formula and just big and bold and you know harmonies and get like lots of reverb on the guitars and voices and um, yeah, that's I think you're right.
0: Yeah, there's just so... Even in addition to the... Well, we'll, well hold on. We'll, we'll get to the, my next one. So that's those are the <laughs> first two. Theater, tons of harmonies. Number three, Chris, in addition to singing, humans really like to dance. Humans of all ages. And I would argue that 80s music is perhaps some of the most danceable, some of the most dance-friendly BPMs you'll get out of any decade of music. And I th- that even transcribes into... I'm a huge Billy Idol fan. Love Billy Idol. It's rock, but it's most of their tracks and Billy Idol's tracks you can dance to. It's the same BPM as, you know, dance tracks. So I, I think that's another huge kind of win, if you will, in 80s yeah. favor that it just, a yeah, ton and, uh, of it you can dance to.
1: Yeah, like Bowie. Bowie's a good example of that. Like oh you don't think of Bowie as like a, an artist that's just like, oh, it's like not like dance music, but his music just totally. makes you actually want to dance. Um so yeah, I, I agree. And I think you're gonna get into it um in one of your other points, I'm sure, but the you know, this rise of the, the beats and the electronic music and the synthesizers that really does make you like the the pulsing eighties music makes you want to dance.
0: Yeah, so that's the next one, number four. The rise of computer-generated sounds. Now, we had synthesizers. Chris, when's the? I mean, Beatles arguably put sampling on the map. They did that in the '60s. It was incredible when they. Well, it was uh, What was the first track? Do you remember that they were the first, at least, to popularized sampling on an actual record? I'm, it, i think it was kind of the middle of their catalog. I can't remember the song. It's. 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 It's uh, right on the tip I- of my tongue.
1: Do you know? I don't know. I mean, I, I know we've talked about like you know, Sergeant Pepper and Strawberry Fields kind of leading the charge there. But um, yeah, I don't know exactly. It's probably in one of those.
0: <laughs> anyway, so so we did have sampling, which again, you don't need computers technically to do sampling. But it, you know, the '80s, so '70s, you you still it was very analog. You had some synthesizers, but '80s since and not only since they started using MIDI. You know, to program beats, they—that's when you started to see a lot more programmable drums, and I think that I think that is—it's it, just this fresh sound. So not as doing all these other things we're crediting 80s music for doing. Now it's doing it with fresh sounds, uh, largely generated from a computer. And a quick story about that, Chris. My guess what my first. Well, since you're seeing the show notes, I'm not going to have you guess. But my first single cassette tape that I ever bought as a young, young boy, I heard Technotronics pump up the jam on the radio. You familiar (laughs) with this song? Unfortunately, I am. (laughs) Unfortunately, that was my jam back then. To me, that was like... What the crap is this? It's danceable. It's got a catchy hook. It's just fun. It's trivial. I totally get that. Trendy trivial. It's not it's certainly not poetic by any stretch of the imagination. No, no. I songwriter. think those
1: are like the, the examples of the cheesy 80s songs that we all, I mean, you and I grew up with, and we, we have this sort of love for them, but they're also just kind of cheesy 80s songs. <laughs> yeah, know, they, like, they, they are, just...
0: but they're they're ones that I can return to a lot easier than some of the really popular disco tracks of the late 70s, you know, where I'm like, I can't listen to this, you know, even though I like to dance. So it's, yeah. there's something, I, yeah, I don't know. I think that, that to me, that's reason for the, the rise of computer-generated sounds and all the fun synths and beats that really, really went mainstream and, and really, you know, was pervasive throughout the 80s, starting right at the cutoff, you know, right, right, right the year after I was born, 80, 81, that's when you started to see it. And it really started to change right around ninety ninety one with grunge, kind of the antithesis of computer generated sounds and synths and MIDI and, and this this return to analog pure get the computers out of our music of the early you know ninety ninety one. So it was a very distinct ten, almost ten years filled with computer generated sounds.
1: Yeah, and you know it's funny like there's such a weird gap to me with the seventies. I don't know if we're ever going to do an episode on the seventies. I'm woefully unprepared, even though I love funk music. And I think there was a lot of funk that kind of came out of the seventies, but, um, it's almost like the sixties skipped a decade and a lot of the sixties artists kind of continued their evolutionary trend in the eighties. Like, Band- artists like um, like Elton John um, and wow. Aerosmith and Aerosmith like really started to find a different groove like through the 70s into the 80s and but they're known like a lot of these bands or artists you just don't think of them as 70s bands even though they might have been performing and putting out music in the 70s but they they really feel like either 60s or you know f- mostly for a lot of these artists that we're talking about 80s bands just because they fit the mold of the 80s and it was a response to disco you know this counter response punk and eighties music to, to disco because everyone just hated it.
0: That's a, I mean that's a good point, and you're right. There's there really is some great R and B and funk and soul coming out of the seventies, but it did seem like <laughs> maybe the seventies is this entire decade where where, where humanity was hung over from the sixties and like in this malaise or drug induced. <laughs> you know, I'm serious. Like maybe we were so numb that you know as a society we weren't churning out as good as music as as we had the decade before and certainly the decade after. But, yeah, that's a good point.
1: Sometimes things just start going in the wrong direction. It's a train that you can't stop. It takes a while to stop it, right?
0: Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Okay, number five, Chris. The birth, or at least the rise, of a new genre that is arguably, you know, in terms of pop, it's kind of right up there with just, you know, top 40 mainstream radio. I'm talking about rap or hip-hop. This is when... The eighties is what really put this on the map. I know Sugar Hill Gang kinda started the trend late, late seventies and you started hearing some rappers, but it didn't go mainstream until pff, you know, early, if not mid. 80s with Run DMC I'm looking at the album right behind uh, Tougher Than Leather was was that 1985 that to me and then they did that mashup with Aerosmith like a year or two later I mean so it's almost like the mid 80s is when rap just went it started yeah
1: started to pick up go mainstream I don't think you know rap and hip hop really hit its peak until the 90s but you know, I mean, I'm sure you were going to mention them, but 1986, the Beastie Boys, "Licensed to Ill." Oh, oh totally. man, like yeah, huge. <laughs> huge, what a record! Um, so I think, yeah, you're right. Like it was sort of this, the birthplace that was happening, even though a lot of it was kind of behind the scenes. Some of it was popping up on the charts. It was happening in the East Coast, um, and uh, yeah, it didn't. You know, it's mid and late '80s started to pick up and become mainstream.
0: I mean, it's in, what was the Uh, remind me chris you're from la what was the what why did the west coast rap game take so longer why didn't it really seem to gel until the 90s like was it just was the east coast just the epicenter i mean what was this what was the vibe out there in southern cal in early to mid 80s i i mean i don't remember like i'm not recent like i'm not schooled
1: enough in in 80s hip-hop and how it you know, sort of came to be in LA and how it got to what it was in the sort of the 90s with gangster rap. But, you know, I think the epicenter was Brooklyn and New York.
0: Um,
1: And I think it was happening on the streets and it was probably starting to happen on the streets of LA, but it just didn't hit the mainstream, especially because I think like gangster rap was sort of LA's, you know, that was LA's scene that they became, that hip hop became well known for on the West Coast. And it just took, took a while for that to become mainstream. But I think I remember like our first, real experience my friends and I like buying records when we were like you know eight years old um, or you know getting our parents to buy us records was with hip-hop was the Beastie Boys I mean that was that was what made it to the West Coast and that's what we were really into
0: yeah agreed man that was a great not only like rap album but party album man that's just it's just iconic yeah I mean the the album are I got that one hanging on the back of me uh, on my wall too, office wall Uh, license ill and 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 I think with so You're right. It it blew up. You had East Coast versus West Coast in the '90s. But again, if you listen to '80s rap, it's accessible. It's not mean like gangster rap, Chris. As much as I like, it's mean. You know, and so was. You could argue that grunge and alternative. It's just mean. It's like a mean sound. Whereas the rap and the songs coming out of the '80s. It was the, the opposite is this cuddy bear, you know, cuddly bears. It was approachable. Anyone could access it. Anyone could rock it. Anyone could play it, you know, without, you know, I guess saying a lot of stuff about who you are by playing it like you could with gangster rap. So I think that's another, uh, you know, another win in, in 80s music favor with uh, yeah. not only yeah. Rise of Rap, but it's, it's a very accessible. It's a nice sound, not a mean sound.
1: Yeah, I agree. I think, you know, um, if we ever do like a really... I know we did some in-depth stuff on hip-hop. I think one of the reasons that hip-hop, you know, became what it is with gangster Rap is it resonated with inner-city culture, right? Like, I think we all liked, you know, the Beastie Boys and we liked Run-DMC and we liked this kind of safe... Um, safe kind of happy hip hop and rap music because we resonated with that. But I think without the gangster rap movement, without the East coast, West coast stuff, like it wouldn't be where it is today. But it was funny Is like, have you seen, I don't know if we talked about this on another episode, but have you seen the, um, the movie, everybody wants some, have you seen that movie?
0: No, I've heard good stuff about it. So, I'm, so I've been on my watch this. So yeah, it's a, it's a
1: Richard Linklater movie, and yeah. I, it's a so it's based in 1980, and it's about a baseball team, and they're basically their first week in college before their first practice, and it is. <laughs> i love this movie it is hilarious but there's a scene at the beginning of the movie where there's five five of the players are in a car and they're kind of like rolling around to try to meet girls and uh they're all rapping rapper to rapper's delight (laughs) it's like (laughs) it's the funniest thing and they all know every word and i think that just coming back to your point about like it was just fun you know the dawn of of rap and hip-hop was fun because the music was fun and i think that shines with like songs like that and with the beastie boys and how you can relate to the lyrics
0: yeah so there you go. the rise of a new genre, but also uh, you know one of the most nicest or accessible versions of that genre before it it started dealing with some heavier issues coming out of the inner cities. This was just kind of the surface stuff that 's easier to you know talk about, rap about, party about um, so there you go so that 's number five Chris number six six reason sixth reason why I think eighties is the most beloved decade for music is I'll, it's this. Okay, there's just... You heard more voices, more styles, maybe not fresh sounds, or at least back to the computer. In a general sense, fresh sounds, that they were computer-generated sounds coming out. But, you know, 80s music is very formulaic. They, a lot of them sound alike. They could start with a synth. It's a hard start and a hard stop. There's a lot of, you know, formulaic styles that they use. But I love that there were so many one-hit wonders coming out of the 80s. And so what that meant is that I don't know if A&R people were taking more risks or if it was just all about this, a song that people could sing along to or dance to, that we were exposed to just a wide swath of musicians, even ones that weren't capable of, of the you know, to being very prolific or enduring musicians. And I think that's a pretty cool trait and one that resonates with a lot of people as well. I mean, there's still, still this... I think oh, there's this one band it it was probably like a top 50 song didn't even it wasn't even a one hit wonder it was kind of right there on the fringe i i can't think of it i heard it a few years ago really liked it and so i feel like 80s even now you can still kind of discover these one hits that um that are just i don't know it's fun so i wonder if i wonder if that kind of more one hit wonderness if you will kind of exposes us just to a lot of different musicians and and voices that we might not get to hear um now
1: yeah i don't know why the one you're right i think one hit wonders were a a very definitive trait of the 80s i mean some of the most to me iconic 80s songs are from bands that you probably only know one of their songs yeah like like aha uh-huh, like take on me um, tainted love like i i couldn't oh. even told you that soft Cell was the artist you know that and that's that, a uh, sick song like,
0: dude that is a sick song and you're yeah. right I, I i've never listened to a soft Cell like,
1: album <laughs> come on eileen um like um De- uh, dexie's midnight runners L- relax even
0: even the one of the greatest tracks from the 80s that we led this podcast with don't you forget about me i can't name another simple mind song can you no. <laughs> I can't. And that's do a great a million <laughs> song. Yeah, that's a great song.
1: Yeah. So, and I don't know, maybe it's because of the music was becoming more produced electronically. And maybe they were just, it was sort of the dawn of taking an artist, putting these artists into studios and kind of creating these tracks out of a lot of digital things. Um, I, I don't really know why. So you tell me. I mean, there's a lot of one-hit wonders of the 60s, don't get me wrong. Um, but... Yeah, it just—it's very definitive for the '80s.
0: Yeah, it really is. Yeah, and I think—I think again, it's just one of those other. It makes the decade a little more of an unknown, a little more of a mystery. Like, who the freaks this? I like this. I did this song. I have no idea who did it. So anyway, yeah, I think that's the—that's a—that's an important reason that '80s music is so popular. Chris, hit us up with the last one. I have it highlighted right here, and I think this is absolutely huge in terms of what these two entertainment mediums did together and what it means to 80s music
1: absolutely so finally number seven classic movies that were scored by pop music it's, it's a big one
0: it's huge john hughes it's enormous like
1: yeah um I mean when you think i think most people when you actually think of 80s movies for me at least as a kid who grew up in the 80s you start to associate the movies that you actually heard those songs from before you think about where you heard that song outside of a movie on the radio yeah like yeah huey lewis like back to the future you know like (laughs) that stuff yeah you mentioned john hughes like every john hughes movie movie had you know just great amazing 80 sound 80 soundtracks you can't separate the two
0: you can't and the interesting thing is is typically directors will score their movies with music that was familiar to them and so it was really unique that hughes i think was in his 40s or 50s and he consciously chose these accessible songs that would appeal to the audience but that also underscored you know what the actors on on the in the films were listening to as well so it was very unique in that the directors of the time i would argue largely following hughes footsteps we're using you know modern current pop to score their their movies i mean bill and ted's i mean you just, i mean it's just the list goes <laughs> on and on there's just so many great uh just great movies that were scored by pop music that i think you're right it's not only where, did, where was i when i heard this on the radio it's i remember that scene i remember that exact scene when freaking what's his name Cusack's holding up the the, the yeah, boombox boom that say anything, I so yeah it's it's it was it was huge. Better off dead. That's another one um, that was just rocking Van Halen left and right in that. So it's just, it's not only just the synth pop music that was in these movies. It was the Van Halens. Um,
1: oh man, the the Kenny Loggins Danger Zone from Top Gun. <laughs> one of the best. <laughs>
0: <laughs> there you go. So I I think Chris this. It, to me, this is a huge one, too, and it just kind of takes everything that we just talked about. The the, the, the more theater, tons of harmonies, more yep. danceable BPMs, the rise of computer-generated sounds, rap, the rise of a new genre, more hit, one-hit wonders coming from a lot more people, all culminating into this, hey, let's throw these in our biggest, most popular movies for this decade. And it's something we haven't seen again. I mean, sometimes you still get you know, a, a track slipped in a movie here and there, but for the most part, we're back to, you know, movie scores, and I mean, this is a t- tangent, dude, but I'm arguing that we're past the John Williams age of movie scores, where now we're just using sound effects to score our movies, we're not even using, like, symphonic themes, that's a whole nother issue, but it's just, it was a powerful combination, I think, for the 80s, that the movies um, really propped up this music and that's a large reason for why this this decade has endured as as well as it has
1: yeah it's a really good point and you bring it full circle you kicked off the podcast with the with don't you forget about me from uh the end of the breakfast club yeah. so yeah, <laughs> one Circular. of the most iconic <laughs> scenes in movie <laughs> history.
0: Oh, totally, totally, totally. Well, so, uh, listeners, if you've got any in, any thoughts or any input on why you think 80s music was so enduring, let us know. Send us an email, musicatblakesnow.com. You can tweet me, at Blake Snow, or Chris, at Chris Morel. It's 1R2Ls on Twitter. Uh, let us know your thoughts about 80s music and why it was so popular. And if you think it was the most beloved decade of music over the last century, Chris the the one note that I want to end on is that I I love the ebb and flow of life and of music and of fashion and I just love how you know we're kind of just reacting to our trends that, we were, that we've been indulging in. You know, you got skinny jeans to baggy jeans. Now we're back in skinny jeans. Will baggy jeans ever come back? I don't know, probably. And 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 I say that because 90s music, 90s alternative, is a direct response to this 80s indulgent, overproduced, oversynthesized, you know, theatrical music where 90s, early 90s grunge and what 90s are known for is... Pfft, flannels screw computers we want raw edgy stuff we don't want it accessible we're going to scream a lot more in our smash our
1: guitars on stage
0: yeah it's just it's so cool to see just kind of that ebb and flow and yin and yang yeah dichotomy yeah and i don't think again another reason a side note that 80s is so popular is i can't think of a decade where you have more black and white contrast between two musical decades than you get from 80s and 90s and that dichotomy kind of makes both decades stand out more than perhaps they would on their own or otherwise would have
1: yeah and we went a whole 80s podcast without talking about hollow notes which i'm ashamed of myself for <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh man if you're a rich girl oh love that that was the 70s though that's a 70s song which is uh the bi- what's the biggest hollow notes of
1: the 80s uh, I don't know. Um, uh, God, I'm blanking on every like Sarah Smile and the, the like. There's a million Hall Notes 80s yeah. songs I listen to listen to. Um,
0: that uh, was, that was yeah. early 80s for me. I remember listening to a ton of that with my older sister. Even and even my parents were digging on the Hall Notes. You're right. We didn't make it through a whole. podcast Oh yeah, you much. make my
1: dreams. Let's see, you make my dreams was 80 um i think everything was in 80 what, what was the first song you mentioned the first one you're a rich girl
0: oh na, rich na, 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 girl yeah na, na. that's late 70 i think that's like 79 or something 78 so right there i don't know place, man yeah
1: it's close it's close but that's some good stuff
0: really good stuff chris wilson's saying we got to shut this one down um why don't you tell the listeners how they can participate in an upcoming show
1: yeah um you you already did it but i'm gonna do it okay. again uh, okay you can hit us up on email music at blakesnow.com. Tweet us at blakesnow or at chrismorel1r2ls on Twitter. If you like what we're doing, yeah, hit us up uh, patreon.com/commercial/slash commercial appeal. Consider supporting us. We love you. We'll give you some more good stuff.
0: Awesome. Thanks, Chris. We're going to send everyone out with what I what I think is this perfect marriage of movies and music. I'm talking about Good Enough from Cyndi Lauper from one of my favorite movies of the 80s. talking about Goonies. It's iconic. For Chris, I'm Blake. Thank you for listening to Commercial Appeal. We hope you'll join us next week as we discuss the birth of Caribbean country, oldies but goodies, the new Arcade Fire album, and I'm, I'm really excited about two more discussions with you, Chris, Why the heck do Brits punch above their musical weight? And we're going to talk toadies and 6'8 timing. I'm so stoked to talk about this. So join us next week for that discussion. Thank you for listening. We'll catch you then.